Hello and welcome to HCI's Regulation and Quality and Safety of Care podcast. My name is Rosemary Pollard and I'm the Marketing Executive at HCI. Today I'm joined by John Sweeney, CEO at HCI and Una Galvari, Chief Technical Officer at HCI. In our podcast today, we will be discussing HCI's research paper, The Healthcare System, Will We Ever Learn? This research paper is a review of the common themes arising from UK and Ireland healthcare inquiries. So John, can you start by telling us the background as to why HCI decided to develop this research paper? Thanks, Rosemary. Well, HCI focuses on the development of patient safety and quality improvement systems uh, in all areas of health and social care uh, in Ireland and the UK. And as we're working with organizations, we're continually looking at what are the challenges, what are the issues, what are the drivers behind why they're looking to improve patient safety or improve the quality of their systems delivery. And while we're looking at that, we couldn't help but notice that the issues that our clients are having are ones that have already been highlighted uh, nationally and and internationally uh, where there have been serious adverse events and and inquiries and investigations. So we thought it would be timely to say, well, let's have a look at at all of those inquiries, those, those national investigations, and see what are the themes and see if there's any possibility that by understanding what the recurring themes are, that we can work with our clients to prevent those reoccurring yet again. Okay, so from this research then, there are many common themes identified which ran throughout the healthcare inquiries. Una, can you tell us what the main findings are? Thanks very much, Rosemary. Well, yes, there are seven uh, common themes that we identified throughout the research. Those seven themes are governance, culture, person-centred care, risk management, incident management, complaints management and audit. So we centralised our focus in relation to those seven themes and then built the information uh, from each of the investigation reviews uh, in in each regard. Unsurprisingly, the the central focus and the key driver we found for a lot of the areas and issues that arose related to the governance. We found significant failings within governance across each of the incidents uh, being investigated and and the areas of review. If we look individually, I suppose, in some of the key areas uh, that came through, mid-staff, the mid-staff investigation, um, I suppose it's probably the most famous of all of the um, investigations and it got a, a huge amount of coverage at the time. But they found some fundamental concerns in relation to governance um, and the focus primarily in that regard was in relation to finance and that the the, the focus of governance had moved away from the person-centred care and putting the person central to, to, the, to, to the focus of all the drivers of the organisation and it had moved into an area of focus for finance where they were trying to achieve this um, trust status and that is linked also with the Liverpool investigation um, that happened, uh, that, that, that ran subsequent to that. Within that, they found that there was no clear identification of roles and responsibilities within organisations. And again, this was something that came up time and time again uh, throughout the, the, the investigations, where there was also a lack of the clinical governance and drivers to hold the organisation together, uh, which certainly led to a lack of oversight in relation uh, to the services being provided. 
They also identified across the board that in many cases there was a lack of managerial experience in actually taking on the roles and responsibilities of a governance model and what was going to be effective. So that there were there were certainly gaps in the competency of the individuals that were involved in the governance role. And in many cases, because of that lack of, of experience, the governance arrangements became very, very complex and became very difficult to be able to, to, to have clarity in relation to those roles um, and, and, and allowing a, a, an appropriate focus on the particular areas of governance that were required. Within that, again, I suppose linking to the lack of experience, there was a lack of focus on the quality and safety issues. So the trending and analysis and, and some of those key drivers that we see within all of our standards and our regulatory requirements now in relation to collating data and ensuring that we have effective evaluation and trending and monitoring of that data, that really fell by the wayside in a number of the inquiries um, that, that they identified that. So that general lack of experience, a weak governance model that wouldn't allow a good, comprehensive, strong structure of quality and safety throughout the organisations. So I know, John, uh, you have some uh, key experience in that area. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting when, when you're looking at the results and what we're finding on a much more micro level, uh, whether it's a nursing home or a hospital or even a department of a hospital, that concept of, of governance, that concept of lack of clarity of roles and responsibilities, that concept of not having clear communication, clear pathways, uh, lack of clarity in how the teams and the committees uh, work, and the basic concepts of oversight. So whether it's, it's, it's a major national inquiry or you're looking at your own service, these are some of the basic common principles to get correct. And I remember many years ago, um, the Irish Health Service Accreditation Board, the precursor to HICWA, when we were there, we, we looked at a large study of all of the findings that came back from the hospital accreditation surveys that we did at the time. This is over a three-year period. And the, the number one finding, there were many, but the number one that I can remember was that clinical outcomes were directly related to the governance findings. So again, just like we're finding in, in the review, if the governance wasn't working, if the governance wasn't clear, wasn't structured, it did not matter what else your clinical outcomes were, were not going to be where you, where you need it. So, you know, as we always say, there really is only one problem in healthcare, and that's governance. Okay, Anuna, of these seven themes that you and John have just discussed, what was the most concerning finding from the research? I, I, I suppose the most shocking finding from the research, and, and it's very evident throughout the paper, is in relation to the lack of the person-centred care that was there. And the, the really, in many cases, the general acceptance of poor care standards, where it, it almost seemed that individuals working within the organisation were almost numb to the level of neglect that was there, particularly in the, the mid-staff report, I suppose that was very evident about the, the, the utter neglect that those residents were exposed to. And I think, you know, it's, it's very fair to say, though, also that a number of the staff members throughout many of these um, these inquiries, you know, they indicated that they very much tried to raise a lot of these points and, and to really push the information up to governance, up to the management team to make them aware of the issues and the problems that were happening. But there really was a neglect by the management 
to take those concerns on board. And they really felt it was somebody else's problem. And even though the indicators were very, very clear. So although there was good people working within the organization, they really were, were unable to, to raise the plight of the patients and try and relieve the suffering and, and try and make changes. They were, were very much um, pushed down in, in relation to that. What I would also say is that, you know, in, in many cases, there was a lack of understanding in relation to what were the actual process that should be followed. Um, although in some cases there was very detailed documentation and process and care pathways documented, in practice, they weren't being implemented because there was a general lack of understanding of what should be done, um, where incidents arise. And in many cases, and I know, John, we've seen that when we're going out on site, you may have very detailed processes in place where it details everything when everything goes right, but when something goes wrong, what should be the response uh, in that regard? And in many cases, staff were found lacking that they really just didn't know where to turn when problems arose. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is something just there's a few points that that Una referred to there, just kind of working backwards in relation to policies and procedures. No one loves policies and procedures more than I do. But to be honest, what we find is often they're just paperweights, uh, just pieces of paper that have the ideal process written down uh, hasn't been thought about, hasn't been really embedded within the organization. And that then relates to a whole lot of difficulties. And we saw that in a lot of the Irish uh, investigations, including the Safita Halepinavra case, where there were multiple policies and procedures uh, about how sepsis management should should uh, be dealt with, but the actual practice was was something different. And and going back to that issue about person-centered care, I mean, really, that's where it all falls out if, if we don't have that. And it's very interesting looking at the reports, both in Ireland and the UK, how even new staff that would have come into those organizations very quickly fell into, this is the way we do it here. This is an acceptance. It is, it is that general acceptance of the level of care. We're so busy. There are so many demands. This is acceptable. This is, this is what we should do. And that is, that is a, a really heart-wrenching consideration to think that people can, can move into that acceptance level uh, very quickly. And it's something that we are continually looking to work with with organizations to see how we can avoid that happening. Okay, and Una, it's very evident in the research paper that there was a correlation between the findings from the UK and Ireland inquiries. Can you tell us a bit about this? Yeah, and I, I think it's it's interesting when when we completed the research that we could identify that there was that constant repetition of the key areas, the key problems, the key stumbling blocks, irrespective of either of the type of care that was being provided or the the the, the model of care and be that when, within very large organizations or within smaller organizations. And we often say that it's it's the same amount of work to care for five people as 500 people, as in the, the structures and models that are required uh, for your risk management, for your complaint management, your incident management processes, irrespective of the volume of patients, that structure has to be as robust and comprehensive as it is, irrespective of your size of your organization. Um, so that was interesting and, and it fell out uh, as as the research developed. So that the, the, the stumbling blocks 
always seem to remain the same. And unfortunately, um, the learnings that were coming from that, again, were not being incorporated back in uh, to the organisations. And I know, John, that's something that you're, you're going to discuss at length later. One thing I would also say as well in relation to the consistencies across the um, inquiries was the fact that the patients' voices were lost. Uh, in many cases, um, it wasn't that there was a lack of communication. You know, there was constantly uh, complaints coming through, you know, indicators that should have been picked up on from very, very early stages that there was problems, that there were significant issues in relation to the provision of care. And nobody knows better about the services being provided than the people who are receiving them. And those individuals were just not heard. And that is something that is central, I suppose, to uh, the Safer Better Healthcare standards and, and as we move forward in the development of, of new national standards about keeping the voice of uh, the patient or the resident or the service user central to the services that are being provided and ensuring that they're heard as we move forward. I mean, again, it, it's something that we see uh, beginning to develop, thankfully, and certainly in Ireland where, where you have the regulated areas with HICWA in the aged care sector, the disability sectors, that they are seeking for that, that voice to be heard. But in a lot of the environments which aren't as regulated, it's, it's still a nice thing, it's an idea. Uh, we have seen patient satisfaction surveys, but we need to do so much more to be able to, to, to integrate those in. And you know, when we're talking about the themes that keep coming up, we're also talking about the concepts of that audit and monitoring. And that audit and monitoring is not just about, you know, one staff looking at another staff. It's about involving people like the patients, like their families, understanding how, how care can actually occur. So there's a, a much wider discussion to be had about how we have that patient and family involvement in care to, to maximize the, the benefits at the end. Okay, and the culture of an organisation can often be a driver of healthcare failures. Do you think this is fair to say, John? Well, you know what they say, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, and that is that 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 what has come across in all of the things. So when we start to take all of the themes together, the governance is obviously at the, at the top of the pile. We're talking about that lack of person-centred care not looking at incident management when things go wrong or complaints when people see things that are going wrong or evaluating the care. I mean, these are all reflective of the fact that the culture is inherently wrong. And when you say, well, you know, well, how do we know? What does the culture look like? Well, thankfully, there's, there's many tools now that we can use to evaluate the culture. But it is the concept of how do staff see the environment that they operate in? Are they open? to discussing things that aren't right? Are the management available to them uh, to, to, to consider how things can be improved upon? And it is that embedded culture of the organization, which is a very difficult thing to change, that links all of the more technical hard, hard parts uh, of the findings. Um, HCI have for a number of years been working with the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality in the US who have internationally benchmarked surveys uh, for patient safety uh, culture. And it is interesting to see where a lot of the management teams say, oh yeah, we're open. 
Well, yes, we want to hear about when things go wrong. Yes, we involve the staff. Yes, we, 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 we definitely listen to uh, the patients and the families. But when we start to look at the analysis from, from staff who are on the front line, the answers aren't the same, that that culture is not what is there. And perception is reality. If staff don't perceive that this organization is looking to improve, is looking to be person-centered, is, is looking to identify how they can learn from from things, then it won't happen because the staff won't engage in those concepts and, and things things will stop. So that culture, understanding the culture is the first point, and then being able to identify what you can do about it links directly with all of all, all of the other themes. Okay, John, and are the findings in the research paper reflective of what you would see on a day-to-day -day basis across all healthcare settings, for example, in the acute hospitals and nursing homes or dental practices? Unfortunately, it is. And as Una said, it, it really doesn't matter how complex you could be a group of hospitals. It could be a department, it could be a nursing home, it could be a dent dentistry. The concepts of what makes a good organization, a good care delivery service remain the same. And, and these ones are, 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 are what we keep coming back to in relation to the findings. I mean, the, the biggest concern, and we have the data on this because we, we evaluated, was we went to two organizations and said, well, you know, these are the key things that have been identified in previous investigations, previous serious adverse events. Have you learned from them? Have you looked at them? Have you closed them off? Have you evaluated your service to say, you know what? We, we still haven't changed the way we operate. So, you know, the findings from whether it's the governance review in Tala or the Port Leash report or whatever may be the case, an organization still have many, many gaps to try and improve that quality because they're, they're firefighting. They're, they're always under that, 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 that difficulty to keep the job going. I mean, for me, what really drove this home, looking at all of the investigations, all of the inquiries uh, from the UK and from Ireland, was the remarkable similarities between the findings of the Tanya McCabe investigation in the northeast of Ireland in 2007 and the Savita Halepanava investigation uh, in Galway University Hospital. The findings were remarkably similar. And the question has to rise, well, when the 2007 investigation was carried out, why weren't these recommendations put into place in the hospital? Why didn't we learn from them? And why can we ensure that those are embedded? And unfortunately, we still have that challenge. We still have the challenge that these investigations are not being uh, learnt about, are, are not being understood in relation to, to, to why is the requirement. And this is one of the reasons that we did this piece of research and to be able to identify a very structured tool to be able to say, well, let's learn. Let's look at what, what, the, what the key concepts are and to see if we can improve upon them. Okay. And finally, Una, what can we do to make sure the same mistakes aren't repeated time and time again? Well, I suppose the good news is in each case for the instance uh, that were reviewed at the inquiries that, that we looked at, there are a full set of recommendations. So as John said, it is about taking the time to review those and to see how they are applicable within our own organisations. Now, within the paper, we have a section detailed uh, in relation to, to driving improvements and we look at those seven key areas and have grouped the recommendations 
that arose from each of the inquiries. So there are specific tools that are there also within the paper, you know, and we we, we would um, we'd recommend that people just could take the time to go through them and really take some time to consider uh, their application within their organization and see how well they're doing, start to, to benchmark themselves um, against those recommendations. So there is just such incredible value and it is it is time consuming. There's no doubt about it. Um, and and it, it takes resources um, and effort uh, to take those inquiries, pull out those recommendations and benchmark yourself against them. But the value is really um, so high to be able to do that because what we don't want is, is to see the continuous repetition of problems that have, have arisen. And that unfortunately seems to be the case up to date. John, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's back to the culture of organizations. Again, we, we hear so many uh, healthcare organizations saying, well, we're, we're a learning organization. We're a quality driven organization. That, that's who we are. I don't think anyone can, can safely say that if they have not taken the time and driven this from the top with regards to looking at the key findings that, that have come out of this report, uh, this an, an amalgamation of, of reports, and being able to put their hand on heart and say, of these things, we are comfortable that we have done all that we can to prevent these reoccurring in our organization. And it is then that we are really getting to what quality improvement is all about. Would it be fair to say, John, I suppose organizations are getting much better at looking inward and reviewing their own internal benchmarks. The next step is to look outwards um, and, and, and to really draw in the information um, so that we can learn off the shoulders of others rather than just looking quite central yeah. to our own information. Yeah, I think that I think that's a fair point. I mean, over the last number of years, we've seen much better use of, of key performance indicators, trend analysis, data, both qualitative and, and, and quantitative. And, and the organizations are starting that. And indeed, nationally, the HSE uh, quality improvement and quality assurance division supporting all of that. But as you rightly say, Una, this is an opportunity to look at the difficulties that have occurred before us and make sure we don't fall into the same difficulties again. John and Una, thank you so much for providing an overview on HCI's new research paper, The Healthcare System, Will We Ever Learn? It is clear from our discussion today that there are many lessons still to be learned and the recommendations within this research paper are well worth a look at for consideration within your organisation. If anyone would like any further information or a copy of the research paper, please do get in touch with HCI. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much, Rosemary. Thanks, Rosemary. It's great to get the opportunity to chat.